Oh my God. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Oh my God. I'm hanging on by a thread. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk on Babs Rose Ivy. This is my last morning before I leave for Marrakesh for my birthday. So I'm delighted to uh to to be here this morning. Uh 1015, I've got the cast from um the the play at the Yale Rep. And I'm so delighted that they're all coming on um, so I can have a really great conversation um, about this play and about swimming and and uh, all, all that kind of stuff. So, hey, hooray. <laughs> so um, if you don't know, there is a, let's see, I think I've got this right. No, I got the wrong things i'm pulling up stuff but anyway uh it looks like a nice day outside uh i am uh running against all kinds of clocks today <laughs> i gotta be in a bazillion places all at once so i am the living embodiment of everything everywhere all at once uh yeah my eyes are red and they look a little worn thin uh, that's because i'm sick I'm doing everything I can to get well. Oh my God, this has been a. It, it, it's so dramatic. It's just ridiculously dramatic. It's dramatic. It's very dramatic. And uh, and I'm I'm very uh, bummed. <laughs> but but the show must go on, and I'm getting on a plane. So there's that part, and I've got great meds. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something to the testament of the great meds. If I hadn't had great meds that I've been taking for a while, uh, I would probably be, I no, not probably. I would be a lot sicker. I would be a lot sicker. Because in the olden days of this, I would I wouldn't even be able to talk. I wouldn't even be able to move. I wouldn't even be able to talk. I'd be already confined to bed contemplating going to the hospital uh but these new meds that they have me on in the last few last year or so has really made a tremendous difference and it's been a long time since i've been sick uh sick sick like this i've had like small dust-ups uh and that's a testament to the meds so this this iteration of sickness let me tell you so i had some food with ghee in it and and my friend didn't know uh that ghee um, was problematic and ghee is just clarified butter <laughs> that's what it is and uh i'm allergic to all things milk protein anything that comes from milk proteins i i just can't have my body my body rejects it so anyway so that's where i'm at that's where i'm at that's where i'm at uh so We'll be all right. We just keep moving. You know, you just kind of surrender to it. You don't try to fight against it. You know, uh, uh, I just try to lean into it. Like, I know I'm sick. These are the things that I know I can do to help alleviate some of the pain. Because it's a very, the allergy is a very painful allergy because everything in my body is fighting itself. So it just creates a high fever. It creates uh, congestion. Um, it creates palpitation. I mean, it just 
it just does all, it, it treats my body like a war zone. And so there are things I do, there are things that I could take to sort of lessen, minimize some of the symptoms, some of the realities. Um, and um, they don't take it away. It just sort of lessens some of the effects. Uh, and that's the best that I can hope for. And then, um, and then it'll run its course and then my body will snap out of it. And it'll literally be a snap out of it. And I'll know immediately that, oh, because right now I'm running a fever. And it's been a fever for the last couple of days. It has not reached, like, you know, you get nervous when your fever gets over 100. So it's hovering just at like 100. If it goes above, I'm in trouble. So I'm hoping to just keep it. You know, I took a cold shower. I took all the meds. You know, I'm just doing all the things. Uh, and the fever is what makes your body hurt too. So I have the body aches on top of the pain of the, oh, it's a damn mess. So anyway, so it's like, it's like people who have COVID. It's like, it's like that, you know? Um, so I just have to worry about my heart. I have to worry about, I have to worry about my lungs not filling up with fluid. I mean, there's all kinds of things that I have to be diligent about so that it doesn't um, get out of hand because if it gets out of hand then I gotta I gotta go deal with that at the hospital and I, I don't that's not where I want to be <laughs> I want to I want to be getting in the car going to JFK tomorrow I don't want to be going to Yale <laughs> that's not that's not the plan so so we do all we can to uh stave off the things and uh I feel pretty confident that I won't be going to the hospital. I feel I feel confident. I feel like okay, I had this Friday. So that was Saturday this system's revved up, which I sh I really should have taken meds Saturday. And then Sunday it amped up. Monday I was yesterday I was full blown. So today I'm full blown. So I'm thinking I'm I, I'm thinking it's just uh 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 and then it'll start to I'm on I'm on the it's gonna start to round out and then go down. So once the fever once the fever breaks, that's always the best possible sign. Once the fever breaks and the pain in my chest subsides, then uh that's a that's a good sign. So ugh. <laughs> oh, there's nothing I could do. Nothing. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I don't want to be marching into my birthday sick. Although I got up this morning, I pulled some things out from my suitcase because my goal is to travel very light. I have to go try on my dress today at three. I gotta go have my nails done at eleven. So when I get off here, I'm gonna run and go get my nails, pedicure, manicure. <clears throat> I still have to go by the inner city and do stuff. I've got some other things that I'm committed to doing. Oh God. That's all right. This is what this is this is the hand I'm dealing with today, and I'm gonna deal with it. These are the cards I'm playing. <laughs> so let me just get on with it. <laughs> I will pack tonight. That's that's what it'll be. I travel light anyway. So, you know, I don't I'm not worried about it.
I'm not gonna worry not man bit about it. We gonna we gonna do all the things. <coughs> and uh so anyway, uh um, I'm looking forward to having uh the cast on from uh the Ripple, the Wave That Carried Me Home by Christina Anderson and directed by uh, uh, Tamila Woodard. And, you know, it's here from April 28th through May 20th. I'm just grateful that I, I'm able to talk to them. High five, Steve Padler. You are my man and uh, my my French soul brother. <laughs> uh, so they'll be on. And, and I'll talk more about it as we get to the 10 o'clock hour. I don't know if Paul Bass is out there in these in these New Haven streets looking for some somebody who makes this city move and shake. <laughs> but that's what we about. We waiting for the we waiting for uh we wait for the move and the shake uh to 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 be amongst us. And uh, I saw I saw Harry Joe's live and in person. You know what? Harry gonna be in some colors come next season. I'm gonna tell you right now, he gonna be he gonna be Joseph in the Technicolor <laughs> coat. <laughs> Harry looks good, man. Let me tell you something. Harry looks good. Uh, uh. I was like, look at Harry. I was like, we gonna be hiking together. I'm gonna catch her. I'm gonna catch you. As soon as I get back from Marrakesh, I'm gonna turn it up. I'm gonna catch you. Pound for pound, I'm gonna catch you. <laughs> Cause you've you've inspired me. You're gonna ca- I'm gonna catch you, Harry. I'm, I'm when I get back, I'm all in, all in, all in. You know, uh, it's a it's a lot of work looking this good, <laughs> <laughs> and you make it look so easy. <laughs> Woo. You make yeah. it look easy. No, you look good. You should be very proud. I still have a long way to go, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, so what? I mean, but listen, look how far you come. So Yeah, I mean, I complain every day and Kara's like, what's wrong with you? Be proud of where you've come. And I'm like, but Look at these love handles. It's so hard to get rid of them. Well, you know, you can start weight training or something. But you wait till you get your surgery. Yeah. Then you get to the gym. You can become a gym rat. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the problem is, is that the rest of my body is breaking down, right? So I have two torn rotator cuffs. Well, those can be fixed. Yeah, so <laughs> I just have to put everything on a list of... I'm going to be the bionic man. Okay, Steve Austin. (laughs) If I can get my eyes done. Okay, Steve Austin. Start the music. (laughs) And I said it here the other day, and all the young people were like, bionic, who? (laughs) Oh, no, they don't even know. (laughs) I know, I'm so old. You have to say Transformers to them, or I don't even know what what is their cyborg. I don't even know what what's the equivalency. I don't even know. Uh, AI AI is the equivalency. <laughs> AI 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 AI. You know, I just had um the AI uh Microsoft AI read to me um 
the New Haven Independence story. A couple of stories from New Haven Independence. Mm, I'm not going down that road, Harry. I'm resist. I'm in, I'm I'm team resistance. <laughs> and you know, I I I noticed a couple of typos in Paul's story, <laughs> so I had to send it to him. I said, you know, his, his he's always saying, "I don't read the Independent." I'm you know, gonna start reading the Independent. I remember one time. He told me uh, I, I spelled cannabis wrong twice. And he said, you don't know how to spell cannabis? So now every time he has a type, I go like, you don't know how to spell more? You don't know how to spell the? You... <laughs> What's wrong see, with y'all you? Are, see, y'all are petty. I'm not getting down. I'm not being that AI petty with y'all. I'm going to let y'all have it to yourselves. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm just like. Oh. I, I, kind, I kind of like the AI. I, I'm. I was looking at Harry. Also, you got to be part of the resistance. I know. If I'm Helen Connor. You got to be Helen Connor too. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Harry, you are is, succumbing. Stop. <laughs> you got to check out the the AI um, artistry program. Oh my god. No. No. Harry. <laughs> It's like you oh. gotta resist. Oh, not you, Harry. No. Okay, when it locks you in your damn house, <laughs> <laughs> when he says, "I don't think it's a good enough day for you to be outside." Well, that's the that's the fear, right? <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, you don't know yet, but your expiration date <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> What do you mean? I chose it for you. (laughs) See, that's uh -uh. uh-uh. 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 No. Listen, I like the technology, Harry, but I have to resist when it starts to seductively sneak into things that are seamlessly harmless. You start with the art, and then it becomes security. (laughs) Right. And um, I know you were saying the other day, there's a like this another AI program trying to counteract like saying people writing papers and all that but you know what I've been reading articles from some of the people in the industry and and they don't know they aren't aware when it's going to cross the line where it's going to be undetected I think it's already crossing the line. Because right. I think right. for the average person, Harry, because when they're, listen, when I saw the piece on Rihanna, her singing the Beyonce songs and people downloading that thinking she did that, and she's and they're like, she do that? That's AI. Harry. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, there was, um, there was an actor who had to come <laughs> out and say he didn't do a, a commercial or voiceover you know, it's like they're they're blurring all the lines, and the the AI program say you know they're trying to counteract it. You know, they're playing together. They're in the same pool. You know, so you don't know at what point all the AI systems unite against us. Harry, we've seen this movie. It's a franchise. <laughs> See. I'm the crazy person in the movie, Harry, that's going to be like, I tried to warn y'all. 
You know, there's always one person, Harry, who's like, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't trust the trust. Don't. I'm that person. I'm going to be the last person on earth. I got I got to go find my people. Now it's going to take me. The movie is I'm going to have to run across the country, find my people of like minded people who are part of the resistance. You got you're going to have to find humans. (laughs) That's what I mean. But it's going to be a couple of AI who's going to be like. This is wrong right. if we are with the humans. But you're going to have to also try to detect because, you know, it's going to be hybrids. People who put chips in them and everything. Yeah, Harry. Oh, yeah, that's the that's for the entertainment violence part of the movie. <laughs> and I know we sound crazy, but it's not. <laughs> Listen, when this I watched you side just Harry trying to clone a woolly mammoth, right, and a dodo bird, all the things that used to live, and they're trying to resurrect them. And resurrect is the word. Well, you know, we need a Willie Mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, What's going to stop people, Harry, from digging up their loved ones? Well, and- I mean, you know, I, I read an article that the technology already exists for you to transfer your soul. Now, which is an interesting statement is your soul, your consciousness. It, I don't think that's transferable. <laughs> but I, I don't know if it's transferable for good. <laughs> but that's an interesting way to put it, that you could transfer your consciousness to some machine. They're saying you're not going to see it you know, up here for maybe the next 30 years, but there's a technology already exists where you're going to be able to just say, yeah, I want to live forever in a machine. I, I don't, I don't want that. I, I, that's not I living. I, I mean, imagine you, if your consciousness, if your consciousness truly exists like that in a machine, aren't you trapped in a box? Yeah, it, I don't you know, want that. Like you're in jail. Yeah, because you can't ever die. Wanna, right. At what point do you want to exist outside of that machine? No. I mean, no, no, to I don't want to, I don't even want the experience of that. I don't want that. Imagine you're you're fully awake in a, in a box. No. I, I tell you what else freaked me out too. I was watching, you know, you could have your body um what do you call it? What do you call it when they put the scraps out? Cryogenically. No, no, no. When they put the scraps out, what do you call that? Compost. They oh. have this whole system of composting your body. It's it's a very beautiful looking thing, the way they got it all set up. It's illegal right now. I think it's only legal in some places in the world. But there's there's a company that will compost you. I mean, you know, ashes to ashes. So you don't get buried. You get composted and they put stuff on you, seeds and all kinds of stuff. And then they, and then once you're all planted out or whatever, then you get dispersed somewhere, I guess. You know, your your family could plant tomatoes on you and (laughs) eat. Ew. (laughs) Off of you. (laughs) I don't know. How do I don't know. I don't. I don't know about that, Harry. I mean, it's way cheaper than burying you, and because you know, burying people is not good for the earth. You know, in coffins and stuff. 
Well, I mean, you know, I all of that stuff. It's the same thing as when does is it good for them to burn you? No. Is, is it good for anything? Are they supposed no. to let your body out and let the earth, you know, gobble you up? I don't know. Um, all of that stuff is. I mean, we're we're going too far when we're thinking, you know, that just burying people is. Well, maybe we just throw people in the volcanoes. That can't be bad, right? <laughs> the volcano. Well, you might as well set. You know, you might as well walk the person up there. This way, you know, you'll have to carry him up and just push them. <laughs> And you sacrifice them to the volcano god. Uh, I used <laughs> to do that. <laughs> oh I'm, I'm just talking about people, Harry, who at the end, and you just wheel them up there and just wrap them in beautiful cloth and push them in. I mean, I don't... I mean, that just <laughs> seems like the only... <laughs> I don't, why are we doing that? <laughs> Me, you, or, you, know, you could hover over a helicopter and just drop it. Like mass, I mean, I guess that wouldn't be good for the air either, right? Nothing's good for the air. That's you know the the thing is is that we all produce CO two, right? Yeah, yeah. So every time you exhale, you're you're harming. <laughs> well, the so, plants need it, so there's that part. Well, but well, you see, that's that's the case for CO two. That people are like, well, we need it because ever since the Earth's been warming since the last ice age, we've had more greenery and more everything. And the more life has expanded because of it. Um, so that's the argument for CO2. Um, <laughs> the argument against it is that we're just, you know, there's too much know. of us. Like some people think that, you know, we're overpopulated. We, we cause more harm than good. I think you're right. Um, <laughs> so, but you see, for me, the so Earth <coughs> is an organism that is not gonna allow us to end it. It'll end us. Oh no, the Earth is not playing about it. The Earth is like, yeah, let me show you what I can do. <laughs> let me show you what I can do. <laughs> Cause y'all are stupid. Yeah, so I don't, I don't fear hurting the earth too much. You know, I was looking at um, um, this commercial, this new commercial of uh, this instead of um, liquid soap or powder soap for washing your clothes, that's just now like a fabric softener sheet. A what? It's like a fabric softener sheet. Oh, yeah, I've seen those, Harry, because they want to cut down on you using bottles and stuff. Like the plastic containers. And I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, where do all of these plastic containers go? Yeah. Where do all of these... I mean, this is why we see penguins with stuff around their heads. And, you know, it's like... We fool ourselves when we think that all of this stuff is being recycled because... Plastic really isn't recyclable. You can't do much with I mean, it's a portion that gets put back into the products, but 
other than that, you have these big companies dumping it in the ocean. And yes, I know. And I just feel like, what do we do? <laughs> what Somebody's got to figure out a way to. I, to uh... I, I saw a, a shark with like with something around his neck, too, that somebody was helping the shark um, uh. out. But the thing is, it's like. The ocean is so freaking huge, right? So it's like whatever we throw has to go down <laughs> to the deepest <laughs> Parts. We this so you we only notice the garbage that's on top. Babs. I know. Imagine what's at the bottom. <laughs> you know, so the you know the some some, what, ang uh, some angry sea life that's like <laughs> gonna that's, join with I mean, AI and kill us. <laughs> well, that's what Godzilla's gonna come up when he can't deal with this garbage down there. That's what. That's what's gonna kill us, hey, Garbage and AI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh lord I, I i don't know what to do i'm just the world is just making me tired the world is just making me very very tired it's just a never-ending I, I wonder if we could ever have a day harry where everybody's just chilled out <laughs> like nobody's shooting there's no war just one day where the world just says this world chill out day you know, we, we should have that. Like, just world chill out day. Like, wonder, no crimes are committed. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, like, the cartels and everything to celebrate Can that. we get everybody to buy into that for a day? Like, world chill out day. No like, drug dealing. Nothing, just just chill. No serial killing. No. <laughs> you know, I, I was reading a, a article yesterday. There's a serial killer somewhere. Eight, eight deaths or something. They're trying to find him. Um, you know, he's back from COVID. <laughs> so like, I guess, oh, well. He was off during COVID. <laughs> Couldn't get to nobody. <laughs> they were dying before he Every, got there. Everybody was locked down and dying. <laughs> like, <laughs> he cutting into my time. Okay, serial killers. Yeah, they're, they're back. I guess it's they're like, back. I guess. But you know, everybody's gonna have ring doorbells. It's gonna make it very difficult for serial killers to move in the world because you're gonna be seen. Did you see this mess, Harry, with this whole new scam about um using your ATM card? If you at the ATM thing, somebody's next to you, somebody's to the left of you, and and the person to the somebody taps you and say, "Oh, you drops you drop some money," and then you go pick it up, and the person on the other side of you takes your card out, replaces it with a fake card, and then routes all your money out. Wow. That's a Mission Impossible mess. First of all, I, that's white people, because I don't know no black people. When we go into the ATM machine, Harry, and there's people around, we're not using it. We're going to let you go. We're going to go ahead, bro. Like you scope <laughs> out the whole area. Yeah, we're we not down with that. First of all, you're not gonna see in, in, in us in a group thing. Like if this, right. you know how we do, Harry. We're not doing it. <laughs> and it's not gonna be one of those. Like there's a couple of in um, Waterbury that this they like booths. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna be trapped in a booth. I'm not using that one. It's that's insane. It's like fish in a barrel. <laughs> you know. So 
and, and first off, I don't use the ATM anymore anyway. I hardly ever carry cash. But if I need cash, I get it from when I'll go and buy something and have them give me $20 back. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'll use it at the cash register and say, give me $20 extra. You know, but I don't use cash anymore. Now it's like, I know I like cash. I still like cash. I'm old school, Harry. I'm telling you, I'm ready for the resistance. I'm not going to be caught out here without cash because when this AI system take over, you're not going to be able to get your money because it's going to be like, true. sorry. That's true because if, if tomorrow there's a, a EMP, an electromagnetic pulse that kills the electricity, I won't have any cash. What you gonna barter with? <laughs> I know. Well, toilet paper. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like I'll wait. <laughs> it's I'll like wait. you tell people, I'll wait, you'll be back. <laughs> yeah, you'll be back. You're gonna need toilet paper. <laughs> my, and my TP prices are you gonna be reasonable. No. What it was when what it was when you knocked the first time, oh, it's gonna be exponentially more when you knock the second time. I'm gonna be like a drug dealer. I'm gonna give you a slight uh, a uh, square. Go come back if you like. Enjoy that square. <laughs> oh, don't hate to play, hate the game. <laughs> the game is transferable, Harry. Whether it's hashish hey. or toilet paper, the game hey. is the same. The, the hustle is real. The hustle is real. <laughs> It is not. It doesn't matter the product. The product is the product. Yep. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> this is so dystopian. <laughs> well, in better news, that. Oh, there's better news. Okay. Better news. There's a, you know, for people who are thinking, oh, COVID's disappearing and everything. No. A new threat before the COVID nineteen crisis is over. There's a new virus that has a fatality rate of 88%. Oh, God. Um, it's called the Marburg virus, and it just hit Japan. It, it's, it's been in Africa, and now it just hit Japan. Um, yeah, the Marburg virus. So there's that. I mean, I don't know. Do we stop... Um, Flights from Japan. I don't know. <laughs> what is it that we we do with that? A, a deadly disease is once again threatening to plunge mankind into a pandemic. This is a Marburg disease, which has caused a string of deaths in Africa since the beginning of the year. And Kunio Yano, special advisor of the Infectious Disease Control of Hamamatsu Medical Center, explains. The Marburg disease is a truly frightening disease. It is an infectious, infectious disease caused by the Marburg virus. So, they, I mean, whatever, right? It's just All another right. There's something to look forward to. We're going to get locked down again, Harry. <laughs> I know. Start prepping yourself. I'm just, I'm just whatever, whatever notes people took, keep them close. Because we're going to get locked down again. Well, oh, Paul is in the room. 
All right, he's got some word on the street. Word on the street. <laughs> you know. Good morning. Good morning, Babs and Harry. How are you? Good. Good. All right. You ready for your vacation, Babs? Oh, trying to get ready. Big, trying to not be sick. Plan. I want to say good morning to Sandy, who has her camera, and she's over the fence with me. I'm not sure how she's going to get across this. On House Street, are we on House? Uh, yeah. yeah. In the, I know in exactly where you are. Behind the, the, behind the hotel, right. Yeah, right by the hotel there. But Sandy's not staying at the hotel. Sandy, you got a camera. What's the word on the street this morning? It's beautiful out today. Yeah? Beautiful. And where are you headed with your camera? I'm headed down the street to take a few pictures for Evelyn's footwear. So you're a photographer for Evelyn's? Is that how that works? So they hire you like freelance? I'm um, full-time at Evelyn's. I shoot the hats and the sneakers oh. for the website and Instagram. Oh, how fun. Is Evelyn's based around here? They're based out of Torrington. We have 52 stores. 52? Yep. One right I, know on the I know the one on Whaling. There's a new one, isn't it, in West Haven? I saw by yep, UNH. There's one in West Haven and East Haven. We have some at the mall. At which mall? The Trumbull or Milford? Uh, um, both Trumbull, Milford, West Farms, Bucklands, and some in New Jersey. I remember when Evans came here. I hadn't heard of it before then, but then I started seeing them. It's sort of like urban footwear, right? Yep, streetwear. So now do you work out of Torrington, Sandy? You work out of New Haven? I work out of New Haven, and then I go to different stores to photograph people around the town. And it's all photography? Yep. They have a full-time photographer? Yep, full-time. And so what's your mission? Is your mission to show people if they're calling their sneakers or scenes in town? Yeah. To get people that wear, you know, authentic people that wear our clothing and our sneakers. So do you have to find someone, like I found you at random this morning. Do you have to find someone at random who's wearing Evelyn's wear? Like you don't know? No, I usually would go on Instagram or I'd recruit customers from our store. And have you done that this morning? I'm trying to right now, actually. Oh, so you're in the parking lot. Why are you in the parking lot? <laughs> so right now I'm just looking for a good location to shoot um, some, some new hats. That we have. Oh, what were the hats? It says our nation's finest Boston Red Sox, is it? Yeah, Red Sox and, and then they have New York and some New Balance sneakers. I like New Balance. Yeah, Not listen, I'll, I'll put some sneakers out. You can shoot my feet. I'm good. Yeah. says you can shoot her feet. <laughs> so now, what makes you every day? Are you going out doing a, a shoot like in a different city, Sandy? Yeah, in different cities where we have a store. So you do go to all 52? Not all 52, but. As many as I can. And, you know. So, you know, it's interesting when I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about how social media plays such a role in retail now. So they feel that one way they're going to build their brand, I guess, is to have you engage with customers on social media to sort of connect with people. Yeah. And that'll draw other people in. Yeah. Am I getting that right? So what's the best picture you've taken, the most fun picture you've taken doing this? Probably like when I would hang sneakers uh -huh. and uh, more so the stuff in the studio. So how much is studio? How much is on the street? Um, I'd say like 50-50. And where's the studio? It's right over there. It's on Whaley Ave. Oh, it's on Whaley. Yeah. Okay. And so how do you decide, like, today's an out in the field day? And to, then other days to um, based on the weather or based on what the product that I have that came in. And how did you get involved? Like, how long have you been doing this for Evelyn's? I've been doing for Evelyn's about five years. Really? I've been doing photography for about uh, 25 years. Getting, where, where else? Someone's getting through here. The gate, Bab. Sorry. You want to come out on the other side? <laughs> so 25 years you've been doing photography. Yep. 
And what kind of places did you work before, like commercial? So, yeah, I used to do Joseph A. Banks. Um, mm -hmm. I do some photography for Lux Blonde and Green, the jewelry store. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Woo. He knows about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nice jewelry. And what's the secret to being good at this? I think um, just experience. Keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Like, how did you get started in it? I always wanted to be a photographer because my mom was really into like Vogue and fashion magazines. So I wanted to be in fashion photography. So I went to school for it. And then Where? I went to University of Hartford Art School. And then I uh, I did an internship with a commercial photographer. And that really got me into the Who's industry. That? Uh, Chip Yates. Uh -huh. and, uh, and did you grow up here, Sid? I grew up actually in Canton. So one thing I'm wondering about when you say 25 years ago, you really want to be a photographer, you got started this business. Boy, has photography changed in 25 years. So I'm like, would it be correct to say that 25 years ago you were working in the medium of film? Yeah. Do you work in film at all anymore? I don't. Now, how's that different? A lot of old school people, right? Babs are kind of purists. They say we like being in the dark room, having all those chemicals showing. They saw like LPs versus CDs, you know, like they come out better. How is the work different? How's the product different? It's definitely a lot faster faster right. turnaround and there's more competition i was lucky enough to start in film so i learned both and there's something really special about film just the depth of it is it a little bit like cds versus lps where they yeah. say you hear more depth of sound than yeah I, or I, streaming I think so. and so do you ever do any um films i haven't done any in a, in a while and i should <laughs> but would it be fun of us should but would it be a fun thing on the side if you did film or would it be for your work um, no, it would be for fun. It'd be for art, like for my soul, probably. <laughs> like portraits and stuff. Is there other stuff you do for your soul as a, a photographer when you're not on the, on the um, beat? I, I work out a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I cycle. Are you planning to do that um, today after work? Like, what's your work day? Um, not today. Yesterday I cycled, though. Today so I'm going to work a long day because I'm going to be shooting a model outside later. Where? And in the studio. Oh, right around here supposed to come in at around five like a model model well no it's somebody that actually works at one of the evelyn stores that's been wanting to be on our instagram so i'm going to photograph him in some of the new shorts how fun babs yeah I, so it'll, so a long day is how many hours i'll probably work 12 hours today. what do you do after that just crash uh yeah i'll just go home and relax <laughs> and what town is home windsor oh wow you gotta you yeah. drive every day from windsor down here not every day but maybe like three days a week do you like windsor yeah. i do i Winston's always interesting to me because it's like four different towns within one, isn't it? Right outside Hartford. Yeah, and I live right in that area, the Bloomfield, Windsor, Granby uh -huh. area. And Babs, do you have any questions for Sandy? I do. So as a as a woman photographer, do you mm. find that this is one of the professions where talent versus gender leads or it's not so much about your gender, but more about your talent? Yeah, I would agree with that. I've noticed a lot of female photographers that are that have come up in the ranks and are pretty successful. Oh, so what are you drawing from that? That it's easier than it used to be, or? Um, yeah, yeah, I would say it's definitely easier. And how about what you look for in a model? Like you, today, you first said to me you're meeting a model. It turned out it wasn't someone from a modeling agency, but someone who works at my daughter's external little modeling at Oakland. She said it's kind of changed what they look for. That it's not the old kind of. Um, traditional narrow view of what quote unquote beauty is, but there's this idea of um, reality based, sort of um, looking like it's genuine. Is that true? Yeah, I feel like it's your essence, your vibe, and how comfortable you are in your own skin. And you can kind of convey that. So, are you looking for, but would you look for someone who's like 
very much overweight or rail thin, or is that not even relevant? No, that's not relevant. Although we do try to include the uh, big guys and plus size, because mm -hmm. that's definitely um, so I'm getting, trying to be more inclusive for everybody. So I'm being a little philosophical here, but there's one thing about social media and marketing with photos that we say we're seeking to get genuinity. Like people respond, right? If they feel like it's real people. And yet there's something that's so not genuine sometimes social media because people are putting out an image that isn't really accurately reflecting their real life necessarily, but a part of their real life. Do you feel that tension in your work capture genuinity, reality, present an image that's going to connect with people? Um, I don't feel it in my work because I don't do any retouching. Where mm -hmm. if it's a selfie, okay, I'm going to put the filter on. So <laughs> myself, yeah, but not for the, the work that I do. And what's the reason? Evan. Tell me about that. Just because it looks more natural, more raw, more edgy mm -hmm. to be like, to not be retouched. And isn't that kind of the Eblin's brand? A little bit edgy, not dangerous, but like yeah. sort of like real street. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. What do you think? Do you, do you like the job? Are you happy? To I get love it. I'm so lucky to, to do what I do. And we're going to look up the page yeah. later. I'm really looking forward to seeing the pictures you take. Tell me about a picture you took recently that really worked. Like you had an idea and it really worked. Um, I don't know. Sometimes just the, the photo comes together. It's just the, the, the light is good and the model's good and everything just sort of comes together. I feel like every time I take a picture, I will get one or a couple of awesome shots. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is great. I did my job today. And it feels good. Can you it think of a specific good. one recently you did that you like that we can look up? Um, I'd have to think about it. Or like, think what you shoot yesterday. I don't know. I'd have to really think about it. One of the model shots, I would say that there was a female that I photographed down, down over there in an Adidas shirt. And she was just sitting down and the, the light was really soft and she just kind of relaxed and I, I captured that. I captured Did you know that. when you shot the photo, I got it? Like, I'm not a real photographer, but I take photos for a new site. And I often don't know until I get back. Like often I think, oh, the light looks good. Or I'm framing this well, or I got a good moment of her when she was feeling unguarded. And then when I'm back, the photos don't always look like that or if the opposite happens. It looks better than I thought. Yeah. What yeah. happened with that shot? Did you know I got it now? Or? I mean, I feel like I know. Because you're a pro. I yeah. got it. Um, yeah, because after a while, you kind of just feel like, okay, I, I know I got the shot. A lot of times, though, they don't look as good in the camera. And then when I get back, they look better. Right. And I'm pleasantly surprised. But I shoot enough where I'm kind of like, I could get the safe shots first. And then you kind of deviate from safe. And a safe shot would be kind of posed. We know they're going to look a certain way. And then what comes next? And then I, I kind of get crazy angles. And I tell the model, OK, do whatever you want, because we got the safe shot. So now, and a lot of times, that's when those are the shots I'll pick, the more natural. And how often, like, is it 50 50 what you end up picking? Uh, a lot of times it's the more candid one. Yeah. The after I got the safe shot, because then I feel like I'm, I can express, I can be free to be creative and uh -huh. same with the model. Babs, now Babs is going on a 60th birthday trip to Marrakesh tomorrow. Oh, wow. Do you have any tips for her for taking photos? Because she's big on social media. She has a huge following. Uh, I would say just make sure you bring enough camera cards and bring extra batteries. Are you going to use your phone or your camera camera? Oh, no, I'm using my phone. Uh. Uh, okay. Do you have enough space on it? Maybe clear off I, the space. That's yeah, actually a good tip. I, clear off the space. That's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to clear out the space because I, I, I have a lot. I buy storage. So do you have like a chip? Can you put a microchip in it? I could. So get one, get a microchip. I would format it, make sure it works and bring it with you. 
Oh, that's a good idea. We're getting, Thank you. We're getting advice from Sandy here. Babs, do you have any other questions? Is what Sandy get no, on? No, I, so I, I will. Start lined up. You're looking to line up one now. Yeah. Here, yep. Here's my here's my confession. I've never been in Eblin, so now I'm going to make it my business to go in there. Good. Please See, do. you did your jobs really well, <laughs> Ambassador. Babs, we're going to hope you have the most wonderful, safe, and fun 60th birthday trip to Marrakesh. It's really fun to have Sandy be our last word on the street to get back. I know. Good people when you get back. Thank you. Okay. Enjoy the rest this of is your Sandy day. Sandy Paul and Howe Street saying so long to love Babs, love talk in New Haven, WNHH New Haven's home for community radio. All right. Whoa. That was pretty good, Harry. Have you ever been to Evelyn's? I've never been in here. I don't, I don't no. wear sneakers like that, but. I actually have bought online. But not um not the store. In. Now I'm gonna go in there, Harry. See what now, I see. You know, you know what? It, you know, they're making it harder to go into stores. Like um I went to Walmart to get two X shirts, right? And I was thinking to myself, okay, I saw them online for six bucks. Six to eight bucks. When you go there, it's like fifteen bucks. Oh, like why would I buy? Why would I buy it from the? Of course, I pick. I still grab the couple. So why? That could, so that I could wear them. You know, immediately. I'm an instant gratification. Harry, you know they would. You could have ordered them online in the store, and they would have beat you to your house. <laughs> Probably, right? So the thing is, is that everything is so much harder. Same thing with Target. If you go online, Target, there's stuff that's on sale online that when you go into yeah. Target, it costs more. Well, here's the thing for me, Harry, that, you know, I'm a plus woman. They have stuff on online in the plus section for women that they don't even put in the store. And that they don't even have in the stores. I'm yeah. like... And it'll be sold the hell out on the online. I'm like, yeah. What is yeah, that like, dress? Um, <laughs> like you can't get anything above three X in the store. Yeah. But if but if you go online, they have four, <coughs> five, six X. You know. Yeah. What are they? You know, are they saying that? Yeah, they are. <laughs> bigger people shop. Yeah, they are. They don't want to see you. They want to see fat asses in their store. So, yeah. So, it's like, I mean, I had to get, I still wear my shirts a little bit big, so I got 3X on top, but the 2X is on the bottom. You know, because my, all of my shirts were 5X and above. Yeah. I think you, you have a therapist, right? You're still in therapy. <laughs> no, I don't. Not for a while. You, it, might, it might be time to go back. <laughs> to work on these how you see yourself issues <laughs> yeah i definitely have it because it's like because <laughs> you're like, still seeing harry that's big and harry is not big yeah so even when the pictures pop up like i have the the um what's it called the, uh, the you know the alexa it's like a tablet thing that sits on your yeah the digital photos yeah, end table. Digital frame, yeah. That you, you could tell it to do anything, but also it's showing pictures the whole time. So, oh, it's called the show. The, I think the 
Alexa show, right? So every time a picture pops up of a year ago and stuff, I, I look at myself and I'm like, Karen, I'm, is there any difference? Am I still that big? And she's like, are you serious? You can't tell the difference. I'm like, honestly, I just, I'm looking at a mirror right now. It looks like, yeah, I feel like this. So she's like, oh, my God, you can't tell the difference from a year ago. You've lost 90 pounds. I'm like, not a year. <laughs> and here I um, messed up still. Oh, yeah, time for you to go back in. <laughs> so, they, they might have an AI therapist for you. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sure they do. <laughs> so I've been tempted. Um, the my well care is my um my insurance, and they telehealth is you don't get charged for telehealth and stuff like that. So it's like they call to remind me. Also, there's an annual at home checkup, you know, annual checkup that they come out and do, and it's like, oh, you're due for your annual checkup, and I'm like. But I feel like I had it last year. Yeah, it's annual. It's like, <laughs> That's what annual means. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to go to the doctor's office and get my yearly. And they're like, no, but this is an additional checkup that we actually come out. And, you know, we look, <clears throat> we look at your medication, your vitamins, what you're taking, making sure that nothing counteracting against each other and stuff. So I'm like, okay, but not yet. I feel like it was just so close. Like, can, can we schedule it so that it is a year apart? I want it like four months and, ago. And they're like, Mr. Droz, it is a year apart. <laughs> you know, for me, it's like yesterday. So Okay, it wasn't yesterday, Harry. So knock it <laughs> off. <laughs> no, so they tell, they go, okay, so we'll schedule it for later. We'll, we'll try in September. And I'm like, okay. September sounds good. I'm going to have my actual physical this May 9th, I think, at my doctor's, right? So, but they're like, so how about um, any telehealth? Do you want, if you need something, you, you're able to call and we'll get you a telehealth. How about um, a psychologist or anything? And I'm like, hmm, psychologist on Zoom. I don't know if I have to do that. I'm not how sure. How are you doing it now? You you with me? It's the same. It's the well, same. this is bad. <laughs> I'm no psychologist, but you talk to me. You see me. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I I'm gonna feel like I'm in a meeting or in a in a show. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay, that's va- that. No, that's valid because this is what you do for a living. So yeah. yeah. Like- so it feels like I get it. All right. <laughs> So I'm like, I don't know. I got to think about that one. But I am but this is what the world is coming to, though, Harry. Like, this yeah. is this is how the world is working. I'm like, uh, diagnose you. I mean, I had, during COVID, I had a couple of telehealth stuff with my doctor. And I felt cheated both times. You know, it's like, yeah, but she can't sex. You yeah. know, she's, you know, so it's like. Yeah, I could be it. dying. She's like, oh, do you have a heart monitor? And I'm like, yes. Yeah, so heart I'm monitor? Like, I mean, not a heart monitor. The blood pressure machine I got in my house. And I'm like, yeah. 
He's like, well, check it. And I'm like, well, I feel like I do this to myself all the time. It just feels like. And now you don't feel comfortable? <laughs> I, but I'm saying I feel cheated. Like, I, I want. That's me telling you. What if I'm doing it wrong? Harry, you're not doing it wrong. And now with How the hard app- is it? Harry, all you can just put it in your arm and press the thing. You go. I know. But now with the Apple Watch, it does everything, right? So it's like blood pressure, heart rate, and all of this Listen, stuff. the Apple Watch diagnosed my brother with uh, yeah. a regular heartbeat. And it, and it said, go to the hospital right now. And the doctor said, that was that's the best thing you could have done. Because his, he was... His heart, he had to stay in the hospital a couple of days because his heartbeat was irregular. And the yeah. watch told him, and he didn't ignore it, which is, well, right. for men is a big deal. <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? So when I had my colonoscopy recently, um, they sent me home and everything, and I, and I put my Apple Watch, and it started blaring. And nine, it called 911 automatically. Oh, shoot. And I hung up. Right. And then it did it again. And I told, and the 911 operator called me back. I yeah, they'll call you again. back. And they're like, oh, sir, is there an emergency? I'm like, no, my Apple Watch is acting up. And she's like, are you sure it's acting up? You may need. And I'm like, no, it's acting up. I took my Apple Watch off. I ignored the whole thing. And I had just come from my golden last week, and I'm thinking to myself, what if I am having a medical episode? And I said, nah, they wouldn't have let me go home. Right? But I may have, you know, dodged a bullet there. Well, know. your your blood pressure might have been up or elevated. Something. I mean, why, what's the point of having to watch tell you if you're not going to listen to it? <laughs> well, it scared the crap out of me. It's what it did. I was like, what? Ah. No, it's going 911. You know what I'm saying? Why well, you, you calling 911? I'm arguing with the watch. And what did you what did you, you should have talked to the 911? Like my watch, I had it on. That's what happened. Because they yeah. would have said, "We'll get to the hospital, or we'll come well, get she you." Said, "Are you sure that it's malfunctioning?" You're listening to Love Bass Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Yeah. So she said, "Are you sure it's now malfunctioning, sir?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I just came from the hospital, so it's like, come on, they wouldn't have let me eat." And she's like, well, call us. she's like, call us if there's an emergency. Yeah, okay. And it's like, and I put it to the side. I'm like, I'm not going to have this thing caught. And I, I shut it off. And I didn't reboot it until like later that day. I'm like, maybe it was malfunctioning. Nothing going Yeah, no. All right. I'm taking a break. I'm not listening to this foolishness. You are crazy. But maybe, you know, maybe those watches actually work. <laughs> I, well, according to my brother. He's still alive. It so. No, it works. Because the last time I went to the doctor, I did my blood so pressure. So what, what, you, what you're saying is you don't care if it works. You're going to do what you want. <laughs> I just think that time it was malfunctioning. Yeah, that time. As opposed to all the other times. Okay. I'm here. Just saying. Yeah, Harry, by the grace of God. You know what they say? God takes care of fools and babies. That's right. Well, thank you. Um, I'm a fool. <laughs> anyway alright we're gonna take a break and then we'll be back with the cast from uh, from the play at the long that's opening at the Long Wharf Theater um, the ripple the wave that carried me home they'll be here at 10.15 I'm excited and, to talk to them 
Send me that. I just did. Oh, okay, so we'll be right back. You're listening to Love Bad Love Talk on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio and cue music. Even in strange times, I'll find my strength. Even when down, I'll stand alone. Do you love me? Don't belong.
Welcome back to the second hour. Love Babs, love talk on Babs Rose Ivy. I'm delighted, <laughs> delighted to have the cast of uh, um, the Ripple, the way that carried me home. That's going to be uh, debuting at the at the Yale Rep on the 28th, uh, and we'll run through May 20th. I do not know this story or this play or this playwright, so I'm so excited to have y'all on. Good morning. Is it Shalia? Shalia. Shalia and Adrian. Hey. <laughs> Two of the cast members uh, from this wonderful play at the Yale Welcome. Welcome to New Haven. Is this your first time in New Haven? Oh, no. No, me and New Haven go way back. We both are alums of Yale. Oh, yay. Oh, so you know New Haven. So I don't yeah. even have to ask you to take a side on pizza because y'all already know. <laughs> but I'm also from the Midwest, so I have a, a whole different view of peace. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we we make people check at the gate what side you on with the pizza wars. So how y'all doing? So oh, good. So good. So good. Thank you. It's uh it's really great being in um conversation with you. And we talked a lot about just like wanting to get in touch with folks in New Haven and make sure that they know we're here. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited because um, uh, I, I love the the background of this story that's rooted in swimming, because, you know, swimming is a huge thing in our community. Um, mm-hmm. And so this has an undercurrent of, of, of swimming in it and segregation and all these kinds of things. And so uh, I think it's just... Uh, just the right sort of time. And this play is set um, in modern times. So it's not like it's a play that happened 50 years ago or 60 years ago. Good morning, Marcus Henderson. Lovely to see you. Unmute yourself. So we're just getting started. Welcome. Hey. I'm going to ask you the same question. Are you new to New Haven? Is this your first time or you're you're a Yale alum too? Yale alum also. I I graduated way before... Uh, these two lovely ones here. <laughs> so, so we were just talking about the play, how I don't know this story or this playwright, and I'm delighted. Uh, the graphics alone are beautiful. But the mm-hmm. idea of this story um, that's set in such a modern time, I just love it. I love that, you know, um, as much as I love a Raisin in the Sun and Native Sun and all those kinds of things, uh, I love that we are starting to tell different stories or hear different stories about our history and uh, and 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 what it looks like in modern times. So tell me, each of you, what was it about this particular story that you said yes, that you said, you know what, this is something I could really get into? Hmm. Well, I know for me, um, growing up in Detroit, growing up in a, a city uh, that at the time was like 99.9% Black, like a very, very Black uh, city to grow up in, to be a part of a project that for me also encompassed like, what? how many Black women is it? It's at least like, well, it's me, Shalia, uh, <laughs> and Tamala's directing, a Black woman, and then to be in this with Marcus, and like, uh, 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 and then Christina, like, to be a part of this really, like, unapologetically Black play that um, encompasses this story around activism, and like what it meant at this time to to want something as simple as to swim 
in a space that felt safe and to find joy and find play and um, to have to fight for that um, really struck home for me because my mother was like an activist back home in Detroit, like for me in my childhood um, in making room for like a very Afrocentric childhood, which is the way I was raised. I grew up learning Kiswahili and French. Like I, my, it, it just is something about like community uh, and building a community like this and being a part of a piece like this that um that just made me feel at home. I, this was one of my, the first pieces I've been a part of that is just ninety nine point nine percent black. So I, I felt I felt really good. It felt like a returning home for me. Um, yeah, so that's what it, that's what it means to me. I love yeah, it. Similarly, the, um, uh, the fact that in this play at the center is a, a family. I think a lot of times we get to look on activists and their work, uh, but rarely get to really think about their, their family, their, their humanity inside of the work that they do. Um, so I love that you get to see, uh, yeah, uh, segregation, uh, hardship and triumph through how the family is doing, uh, not just the, the, the work and the end result, but you know, uh, this play centers around uh, Janice who Janine is playing and her uh, reckoning with all um, the work that her family's done. And I similarly like personally connected to this story because I grew up on a swim team, like my mother, uh, taught me how to swim when I was still a toddler and um, just being a part of this play has given me such a, a greater level of gratitude um, for even that uh, access to pool and water and, and those uh, tools and, and a separation from fear of such a, uh, a natural element like water that surrounds all of us. Um, and my grandparents, they're, they're coming from Georgia and, and Alabama. Uh, I don't think I always knew why they seemed so proud watching me on a swim team or, you know, why they would get so much joy of saying like, oh, no, we have this community pool. Like, invite your friends, tell them that, you know, their parents can be our guests. Like, they, they can, uh, we'll help them be on a swim team if they, if they don't know how. Um, and so it feels like a uh, celebration of how we care for ourselves and um, reclaim uh, the joy of being around water and the joy uh, that we have uh, access and right to this just as much as anyone. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think uh, for me, this this play, uh, I mean, er everything, I, I'm, I just feel like I would echo everything they said. So, so more specifically <laughs> for me, uh, it's this character. Um, I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to play a lot of different characters uh, and and some good, some bad. But like this, this is a very complicated, real kind of role where, you know, a person is doing their best. But sometimes the, the best in them uh, can can also bring out the worst in a way. Uh, and, and I think that that's any parent. I'm a, I'm a parent of two. Uh, and I try my hardest every day to, to be better than my parents were for me, which is a huge, huge feat. Uh, so, so, so I, I look at this character who's doing his best, uh, to just try to be a, a good dad, a good husband, 
a good role model for his community. And uh, and that that automatically just like draws me to the role uh, because it's so close to my own life. Mm. Thank you, Janine, for joining us this morning. So we're I'm just asking each of y'all, what drew you to this to this, this play, to this work? Uh, thank you. I'm so sorry. Listen, technology begin you. <laughs> I right. every, every day I have that issue. Don't you worry. <laughs> and it was my own fault. I didn't realize my laptop was blocking the Zoom. I was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, good morning. <laughs> so, um, what has drawn me to this, uh, this, this, uh, this play, this role? Um, as I was listening to everybody else, and yes, yes, I agree with what everyone has said. I, I think also that, and I don't know if the word is, or that investigating of memory of your experiences or, or your, these different scenarios that have happened with your parents and how they shaped you, <laughs> the things that you're still upset about <laughs> from like, I don't know, 30 years ago. Um, my father passed away in 2009. Um, his name was William Edward Farmer Jr. <laughs> and whenever I am saying these words or uh, Janice does a lot of like, this is a memory play. She's going through investigating these memories, trying to figure out why she is so hurt by her past, why she has separated herself from her family. And um, doing this play for me, and, and one of the things that drew me to it was just that investigation of my own memories of my family. Uh, those things that maybe I didn't understand about my father. I think, you know, we all are selfish people. I'm very selfish. I have no children. It's just me. I'm just out here living my, my best life. <laughs> and uh, I'm also living out the dreams of my family. Um, and I think, you know, as a child, we are so like, taking care, or at least I was taken care of by my parents. I'm the baby. I'm the only girl. And so everything I felt like they're here for me, but I'm never thinking about all the things that they're going through. Uh, the fact that they're just human, the fact that, you know, they had never been parents before. They were just trying to figure it out. And so uh, for me doing this play is kind of like also investigating my own family history and giving my parents a little grace for the mistakes that they made, um, forgiving my father for the mistakes that he made and, and, and having a better understanding of who he was. Um, yeah, that's, that's what it is for me. Um, yeah. So I, I love this because each of you are uniquely um, speaking about this play from a very personal place. And I don't know if every play gives you that. Like, I, I, I don't imagine. I mean, just the fact that it's black, 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 inside, upside, left, right. Um, but it seems uniquely personal to each of you. And is that something that you look for when you take on these kinds of roles? Or, or do you like to have a little bit of separation between yourself 
and the character? I think there are like challenges that you look for uh, within roles so that you're not doing or, or repeating the same thing over and over because that can get a, a bit mundane. But uh, I think in everything that you do, there is a part of you that, you know, I, I had to be reminded just the other day that like uh, that we we take on whatever it is we play like we we don't we're artists in in in, in a way empaths so like we we take on whatever the struggle is of the character whatever the hardships are we, we take on the joys um but but at the, you know you gotta you gotta do the work to not carry it with you all the time so I think that we look for roles that challenge us. Uh, we don't want to go too far off the scale, you know what I mean? Like doing some Heath Ledger type stuff, <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, but I think it's it, it's just about the challenge. Uh, but when you find something that's so directly relatable um, that matches your energy, also I think that was a big thing for me too. Is uh, when I talked to Christina about this play uh, before I came on board, she just talked about the energy matching the character, and I and I completely understood what she was talking about once I read it. And so, uh, so yeah, I think we look, we just look for that. Mm, mm. And I think it's the season oh, you're in. Oh, sorry. I think it's about the season of your life that you're in as well, because um, I like to remind myself that there is a bit of, there is a bit of uh, me in, in, a possibility of me in each role I, I, I look at and I'm just like, oh, is this the avenue I'm ready to open up to um, expound on? Um, because, you know, it may not seem like it at first on the surface, but like the given circumstances of every character, I just like to look at like, well, if I was put in this situation, this could have been, this could have been me. My life just so happened to have gone in a different path. But like the more we connect with the fact that we all at the, I say this in the room as well, like at the bottom of the well is love. Everybody is searching for something, a drawing towards something they love, something they want. Um, and for me with Gail and I'm playing uh, Gail and young chipper, ambitious black woman. Gail is um, Janice's aunt, um, a very lively <laughs> comedic part of the show. <laughs> and I knew that accepting this, these two roles, um, this was something I, I needed, I wanted more of in my life, just like being unapologetic on the stage, like just commanding uh, the space and um, also uplifting my castmates um, <laughs> coming on and bringing the, bringing the heat. Um, <laughs> and that's what, that's what Gail, uh, Gail in particular feels like to me and with young chipper ambitious black woman um it forces me to reckon with um the fact that like I said my mother was pretty much an activist back home in Detroit uh and young chipper reminds me of a young version of my mom which means she reminds me of me and it's like it lends itself to like finding empathy for the people that the characters remind you of in your life because that's why you see like, oh, I could do this. I can get in here because I know this person. Either it's me, it's a part of me I don't want to accept, or it's a part of like someone else in my life, you know, mm. to honor. Yeah, very similarly, uh, 
uh, y'all just spoke about that so beautifully. Uh, the, the empathy is what really gets me as, a, as such a gift in acting. Like the, yeah, regardless if I came in with like the forward thought of like, oh, I connect to this or, oh, this is someone like really distant from me. So I'm going to stretch myself. It's always uh, catches me by surprise in a really beautiful way. Like uh, how much expansiveness is within me. Um, and I think especially as a black artist when we're, uh, or a black person in this world, uh, given very small boxes most of the time and to affirm for myself and for those around me, um, how limitless our spirits are of who we can be, um, who we can um, empathize and, and affirm uh, someone else's humanity. Uh, I know with Helen, uh, Specifically, uh, I thought a lot about my grandmother, um, who would have been around the, the same ages as uh, Helen's, uh, Janice's uh, mother in this play. And just start to unpack to you, like, what does uh, matriarchy mean? What is it, uh, um, what comes with, uh, you know, the roles of Black women in so many movements of, uh, freedom and social justice uh, to be stewards of our care as a community. Um, what are the costs? What are the gains of that? Um, and then also sometimes like I, I let myself be a person. I was like, I'm an artist out here. Most of the time, I just have questions. I don't have answers to things. And this is, you know, I'm, uh, I like research, but I, I'm, I'm the, you know, my, this is the, how I figure out life's questions. This is also how I feel like I can be of service to others. Like I watch what happens to people when they go into a theater live and they realize like, oh, I'm not on a film. Like I'm here spending an hour, two hours with you, which means I, I am taking hours out of my life to not just tell a story, but to sit with you and hope you see and feel me um, putting value on uh on someone's humanity, on saying that we together should look at these people and we can all learn from them. Uh, we can all learn something in ourselves or right when we cross someone like this in our path. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll say yes, and when I read the script, I see my entire family <laughs> in this script. I constantly bring up how uh, Aunt Gail reminds me of my Auntie May Lee. <laughs> my Auntie May Lee has been in the rehearsal room with us from day one. She don't even know it. I need to tell her. <laughs> but yes, you, you know, that really does draw you to something because, you know, I think about how often we, as as people in the industry, and, and not even in, and maybe not even in the industry, but just like people in the world, how often do you get to do work that is about you? How often do you see work that is really about your family without trying to like um, uh, uh, make it clean and pretty, you know? Let's be real what those barbecues are like when we having the family barbecue and with how you see it on TV, <laughs> you know? And when I read this, I was like, yeah, this is my family. Um, and 
it, it is in terms of like taking it on, this huh, has been one of the hardest projects that I've ever done. And when I, when I say hard, I mean in terms of like, uh, Shalia was talking about stretching and expanding yourself. And my character is talking to the audience most of the time, most of the time. She's on stage all of the time, except for maybe twice. Uh, thank God for those bathroom breaks, those two bathroom breaks I get. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're standing there wide open, you know, people can see you. And that's a really scary thing. And people can see whether or not you're being honest with them. Um, and also, like, making sure that you are living up to what the writer has put on the page, making sure that you can try to meet the expectations of the director, making sure that um, the audience understands and is connected to the story also. Um, this has been a process for me where even last night I got a note and I was like, oh God, another note. <laughs> like an acting note, you know? <laughs> I'm always getting notes. I was like, you know, because the director is really, she, she wants this, she wants the story to, to um, connect to everyone and she wants us to be connected. Um, and this morning I woke up because even though I didn't want that note last night, I woke up this morning and I was like, okay, let me think about why, what, what this note is really about. Let me um, uh, think about how uh, Janice needs to uh, continue to make these connections uh, to memory and also give that to the audience. And I thought to myself, how far can you go, Janine? You know, there are many times that I think we say, ooh, I'm tired. And real talk, I think we all tired. You know, the cats are tired. <laughs> but can I go a little further? Um, and even as I say that, I think about all the people in my life, all the people in our lives that have gone a little further. Mm. Mm -hmm. I just think about how much they have, how much our people have done to give, give us these opportunities to stand up on the stage and tell these stories. Can I go a little further? Hell yeah, I can go a little further. I can take that note. <laughs> I can figure out how to, how to make this, to connect this moment. Um, so yeah, like this is who this is. I, I, I kind of put this up there being being in boot camp because I was in the military and like who that was tiring. <laughs> so <laughs> I, this is a trend. <laughs> but um, I know at the end of the day when this is all over, this is not only going to make me a better actor. It's going to make me a better person. I have people in my life now, Adrian, Marcus, Shalia, Tamala, Christina, you know, I'm so thankful for them. 
So this has been like, yeah, this has been a, a an opportunity that I would not have passed up ever. So, so when we talk about opportunities, um, I imagine um, if I'm looking at Broadway, it's a good time to be black because everything on Broadway is pretty black. Do y'all feel that transferring? You know, because we came off the pandemic and we came off. Uh, not enough black people in the theater like Broadway so white and, and black folks stood up and collectively said theater has to change not just on the stage but behind the stage uh, do you feel do you feel that as revolutionary do you feel that as sustainable do you feel like that's a wave, wave that you can ride further like mm -hmm. where, where, are, where are we as black actors and actresses uh, in, in this game? Where are we right now? <laughs> uh, man, that's, that's, that's a, that's a heavy one. I mean, you know, because I, I can, I can personally say that, you know, I feel very blessed and lucky to be able to tell many stories uh, that involve the black body, uh, black lives, black joy, black pain. Uh, I, I've been very lucky to do that. Uh, but I also recognize there are a lot of people who have not been able to do that and still aren't doing that. And, you know, so as much as like, it might seem like there's a huge change, there's still so much more that can be done. Uh, and I think it can be done in a, in a very genuine way also, and not just a performative, uh, as they call performative wokeness. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I think that like the, the strides that we do make, we need to celebrate, you know, we need to celebrate right then and there because you don't know what the future can hold. Uh, and, and you just, you, you, you hope for the best, you know, you always hope for the best. Yeah. I think the, what's really beautiful right now is not just seeing the, uh, you know, black uh, writers and like actors who are being seen on Broadway, but the fact that we're getting uh, a wave of new uh, black producers. And just for me to know, you know, when it gets to these uh, commercial spaces, whether it's TV, film, Broadway, it is uh, folks investing in uh, not just who's right in front of the camera or on the stage, but those who get to get to create those spaces and get to, um, you know, promote those works. Like in in the last years, like it's not just the uh, new black plays like uh, Fat Ham that's up there right now, Ain't No More That Just Happened, um, but also seeing like Adrienne Kennedy, who has this amazing playwright for so long, get her Broadway debut. Um, also having, you know, we were talking about uh, Raisin in the Sun, but having uh, Rain Hansberry's, oh, what is it? Uh, the Color Girls. I mean, uh, 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 they, uh, uh, yeah, but, Raisin in the Sun. Uh, <laughs> Bernstein's Window um, that's going up on Broadway right now, just to see that um, for what I think is most promising about this time right now is where uh, I believe if we keep pushing, keep supporting all these shows, uh, it's starting to show a real breadth and spectrum of what a quote-unquote black play is, what a black story is. 
yeah. uh, all the different viewpoints and perspective that Black writers have, like being able to, uh, there's a ton of Black directors who've gotten their Broadway debuts in the last like two, three years. So they can start to see like, um, what is our vision? And also that it does not need, um, you, you know, uh, white structuring for us to thrive. I think that has been a really, um, uh, some, you know, a, a white supremacist narrative that's gone on that, like, oh, we need help for us to be able to, to tell our stories well or something. And the fact that, to me, what's most exciting is seeing these all black teams or if uh, black folks wanna uh, uh, work with, uh, you know, uh, other like, uh, Asian or you know indigenous um, uh, American uh, like artists, we can choose who we think we are talking to, who we think like parallels with us culturally and um, artistically. Uh, that I think is making uh, like I love seeing. I don't know if folks saw uh, K-pop that was on Broadway, uh, where K-pop you know Korean uh, uh, musical and story. Uh, teamed up with Ain't No More and they started uh, supporting each other as both of their shows were uh, being pushed to close early and to mm -hmm. see that kind of community and to see each other in that way uh, that says like, we know what we're doing. And uh, and I see that over there in YouTube um, that they're, I think that's something that's really beautiful to, and those are the things that I feel like sustain us. Uh, yeah like really the thing that's like unearthing the foundational structures of what does uh, excellence in theater or storytelling mean? What is the business structure of that mean? And the fact that that is shifting, those uh, myths are being debunked right now of like quote unquote black people don't like to go to theater. And I know black families I know go to theater, they just don't go to your theater. You know, they might only go to the theater that's been at their church or they might only uh, they enjoy story, but they're like, oh, but the way my auntie tells the stories and she's a storyteller of the family, there's no theater that sounds like her. Um, when those writers and teams have been waiting to get the spaces to say like, oh, we want to be your, you know, special night out on the town too. Mm. Um, but that's my, my industry soapbox. So anybody who's trying to produce who's black. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to just piggyback <laughs> off of what Shalia said because actually when you first asked the question asked the question, my first thought was, you know, um, I thought about Ain't No Mo, I thought about K-pop and you know, and how these are shows that were on Broadway, people uh, people of uh, people of color, and they were also forced to close early. And I think that this we also have to think about the business <laughs> of of this industry and it is mostly a white structure and i think that those structures have to be willing to make some changes you know you cannot stick to your same formula of of promotion and pr uh, with a show like Ain't No Mo. When we think about Broadway, the people who are mostly going into those spaces are older white people, um, and a lot of them coming from the Midwest. So when they come to New York to see a show, they wanna hear some music and some 
a whole bunch of singing and uh, just a little bit of words. Like, you know, I, I, you know. Celine don't like musicals. What did you say? What did you say, I Celine? Celine don't like musicals. Just <laughs> <laughs> you know what? But I like the color purple. <laughs> but, like, I think that, you know, a lot of these organizations are kind of set in their ways and not they're not willing to think outside of the box in order to get more people to in those seats. You know, um, what's wrong with you going to somebody's church? What's wrong with you promoting on um, the black radio station? Even for this show, I was talking to a student and I was like, uh, y'all need to promote on some radio stations. I'm telling you, folks love tickets. <laughs> folks love to hear, get a free ticket from the radio, you know? I think that these structures have to be willing to, to do something a little different in order for our work to be sustainable. It cannot be how it was back in the day. You have to make changes. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think about that all the time when it comes to uh, our shows, our work, whether it be on Broadway or on regular TV. What is, how are we, how can we change the structure? of things and not only and not only depend on those white structures how can we also um um be the people who are creating that work we cannot just depend on them because we could be waiting all day so i think that's a great point because for a while even when it you know the we see white american theater started popping up i i was thinking about how like dang if we're gonna it's going to feel like uprooting this whole thing that is like theater in order for us to like get underneath this thing and change the structure of it. Um, but I think what's been cool since graduating, I graduated from Yale in 2020, where I graduated, they were even bringing in like black female dramaturgs and dramaturgs, like I'm thinking more on the artistic standpoint of like making things historically accurate. I remember when I first got to Yale, it, I was doing an, another Black play. I was doing Marty in the Hands That Could by Josh Wilder, Black playwright out of Philly. And our dramaturg was white and our director was white. So there was a lot more extra explaining that had to happen of our stories, of our like understanding of things that like really would stunt pieces a lot of times. And um, I'm, I, I am like seeing the 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 strides that are being made and of course like yes celebrate but i hope that we can like continue to investigate how in many ways artistically financially and on a producing end we uh we can do for ourselves and not forget about like theaters like the flea and like mtc and that are doing the the uh like off-broadway or smaller pieces that uh are investigating those more gritty stories that uh, that wouldn't make it to Broadway for whatever reason, it's a faux pas or whatever, um, it not being commercial enough. You know, I'm I'm interested in that as well um, because the, the, the spectrum of theater is like, Broadway is the commercial wave. And so like, what are the rest of the stories that we can look for and look forward to as well? So we are we are winding down our time together and I've enjoyed the richness of this conversation and just giving y'all opportunity to talk your art. Um, the Yale Rep Authority 
Theater presents The Ripple, The Way That Carried Me Home by Christina Anderson, directed by uh, Tamila Woodard, uh, runs April 28th through May 20th, 2023. So before you go, I want each of you to tell me, what would you like people to take away from this play? When they walk out of the theater, what do you want them to know, understand, feel, uh, be excited about, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, what would you like that to be? Uh, I hope that that they uh, I hope reconciliation is important to them uh, by the end of this. I hope that they they feel like they can leave the theater and call someone they hadn't called in a long time just to tell them they love them, just to tell them that they're sorry, just to tell them that they forgive them. That that to me would be the, the, the ultimate the ultimate gift. I'd say so. Uh, uh, my character Helen, she talks a lot about the simplicity of joy and the simplicity of freedom, um, or that it should be simple. And uh, I hope folks walk away with some some grace for themselves and the people around them as as we're doing this human thing for the first time. And if they're they're caught up in a maybe a, a hamster wheel, that they return to these simple things that brought them joy and look to who can they provide a very simple joy, a simple act of affirming their freedom, that that's can be just as impactful as the huge things that we do communally. Um, yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I, I'll, I'll echo Shalia and Marcus. Uh, did someone already, t uh, we have this rule in the room and it's uh, at the bottom of the well is love. Did someone else already mention this? Um, and I think it's, it, it is easy in our lives to hold on to um, the hurt. <laughs> um, and that's not dismissing that hurt at all. Uh, I think if we just remember that uh, whatever has happened in our lives, that often some of those things that took place were based on all that, all that your parents knew how to do, <laughs> all that they had available, all that your friends knew how to do. Maybe they just didn't know how to communicate that moment. If we just try to remember that at the bottom of the world is love, I, I hope that that's what people can come away with and move forward um, in their own lives with. At the bottom of the world is love. Um, and hopefully that leads to forgiveness and um, leads to like joy. I, uh, I had a teacher that once told me uh, that told me recently, actually, my father passed last year and I was having a hard time dealing with uh, the loss or just like I wasn't, I, I just was avoiding it. And uh, she said, you won't be able to process his death until you look at his life. And I want them to take away that like reflection doesn't have to be a cycle of pain. This person did me wrong, but it's also an opportunity to see what they brought to your life. It's also an opportunity to see if they were doing the best that they could. 
it's also an opportunity to see their humanity and see that shared humanity and hope that someone sees that in their film as well. Thank you all so much for such a rich conversation, Julia. <laughs> Adrian, Thank you, Janine, Marcus. I'm getting ready to go hop a plane to Marrakesh, but when I come back, I'm gonna come see y'all and see this play. So thank y'all for making the time to see me this morning. I'm gonna make the time to come see y'all. So break a leg and uh, I will see y'all soon. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Harry, <laughs> my producer. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Harry. <laughs> Thank you, Harry. <laughs>